I think brands need to, you know, wake up and realize that they can't hide anymore. Being inclusive changes everything because it affects everything as well. Hello, and welcome to the Green Universe. This is a podcast about green beauty, the makers, the lovers, and everything in the universe. I'm Victoria Fantuzzi, your host, and we're keeping it real, exciting, and fully transparent just for you. Hello, listeners. Thank you for being here. This is a very important episode in which we discuss the topic of diversity and inclusivity and how to bridge the gap between brand, retailer, and consumer. We welcome your comments and thoughts in a respectful manner as the conversation continues to open doors and shed light on the efforts being made to diversify the beauty world. As you listen along, we invite you to consider the perspective of our guests and their experiences as women of color and green beauty fans. It is my pleasure to introduce you to two women I admire profoundly. Linda DeBow, a Londoner and founder of the beauty and lifestyle blog Wonderlusting, and Roman Sekon, my friend and longtime beauty advocate and brand representative for Saint Cosmetics. I hope you enjoy this episode of The Green Universe. Hi, Linda. Hi, Victoria. How are you? I'm good. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Is it cold in Chicago? It's so cold. <laughs> this is why yeah, I don't envy you that because right, it's pretty mild in London right now. So I I'm not know, complaining. but I'm excited to talk to you today. I want to, um, I want we want to do this this podcast that is uh, a little bit more open and forward, and we are aligning ourselves with a bunch of people that have been in the green beauty scene, but have been on the scene from different arenas and also in, with different backgrounds. So I would like to introduce you to our audience and you can tell them a little bit about you and your, um, your blog and how you got involved in green beauty, if you can. Sure. Um, I'm Linda. Um, I'm a Londoner, um, originally born in West Africa in Nigeria, and um, travelled all over the world. Um, the business I'm, I'm involved in is travel, so um, green beauty is something that I've always, probably from you know my parents, my grandmother, she was always concocting things and talking about herbs and so on. So it was something that I've always been interested in, understanding what she was making and how it all kind of came together. So I would always have friends asking me questions about things, about what I was using. And that's kind of how my blog began, because it was a space for me to share some of the things that I discovered on my travels, as well as the products that people were asking me about. Um, I've always been looking at products that are made with interesting ingredients or different brands I picked up from different parts of the world because I was intrigued by them. I'm always very curious about things and being made with actual ingredients was something that I was very passionate about as well. So um, that's how my blog Wonderlust became, you know, came about. Yeah, and the name comes from me being wondering about things. 
and lust in about fins. So that's the name. It's about fins that inspire wonder and lust originally, and now it's mainly green piecing. Oh, cool! That's really cool. And I, I, I want our, our readers to know too that you're you're a foodie, so you love food and you appreciate ingredients. I do. Yeah, uh, and it's I, a, I kind of think that everything's connected it, because for me. Beauty isn't just about the product. It's about how you feel. It's about how it, you it tastes. It's about how it looks. I'm obsessed with ingredients. Um, I listened to one of your podcasts recently where you were talking with founders, and they were talking about sourcing ingredients, and I was like drooling because <laughs> ingredients are so so important to me, um, and the providence of things. Because put an ingredient label, you can't actually always tell. Um, where something's come from, how it's been grown, how it's been processed. Um, so I love hearing founders who are really passionate about that kind of stuff. Oh, that's great. And I think that, I think going forward in Green Beauty, that a lot of founders and makers are going to start talking about this even more. Well, that's, I'm really happy to hear that because I think it's a massive, massive issue that, as you say, hasn't really been looked on very much. And that I think us consumers do need to be aware of it. But I, I, I mean, I, I want to talk to you also about um, since you're in the UK, yeah. and um, I want to talk about green beauty there. There's so many, there's so many great things, and also complicated issues between yep. <laughs> green beauty in the in the eu and yep. america and all this i want to i want to hear about it but um in terms of the eu as you said it is very very complicated and you know as you know we have our own in the uk issue coming up with the whole brexit situation yeah so what's going to happen in the future regarding eu regulations in the uk is something that we have no idea about um, so, I mean, the good thing is that generally we know that the EU has very stringent regulations, so that governs what goes into our product. So the things that are made, if they're available in the UK and the EU area, we know that they're kind of safer than what's available on your side of the pond. So we have very strict laws on preservation. Um, which I know is, I believe, isn't the case. It's not mandatory, I believe, in the US. Is that right, or? That is correct. The preservation issue? That is yeah. correct. So um, that's something that, you know, sometimes I'll look at a product and I'll see where it's manufactured and so on, and if it is EU certified or not. Um, and then also, the, another issue that we have that's, again, tricky is that you can have a product that is the same name from the same brand that's available here and over there, over on your side, the US. But the ingredient lists are completely different because the US has got ingredients that aren't allowed in the UK, but the same brand with the same name is available here. So it can be very confusing for consumers because they pick up a product thinking it's the same as something they bought elsewhere. And unless you compare the ingredient lists, you could actually buy a completely different product. Yeah, so that's that, something that's quite tricky for brands that are available and have different formulas for different markets. To me, that's um, not cool. To me, that's not cool. Yeah, I mean, and it, it turns, you know, it means that each time we buy a product, we can't trust it necessarily. Right. Which I think is a lot of work as a consumer to constantly be like Nancy Brew, 
<laughs> investigating, investigating every single time. Um, I think the idea would be for products to have the EU um, specifications because we know that those are safer. Um, but I know that as a brand, that is that is tricky. Yeah, and and I just I think that brands need to be. Um more transparent about that issue and held accountable because I mean, this is, this is an, an, uh, a huge concern. Why are brands acknowledging the fact that because of stricter regulations in the EU that they, in order to make a profit, that they need to um, create formulations that meet those standards. And then for us, they're like, Hey, whatever, whatever goes because yeah. there's, you know, there's no accountability and there's, no real government agency that is foreseeing uh, uh, these these formulations. I, I, it's not cool. There's just something not right about that. And as a brand, I would never do that because I just want to make quality product all the time. I don't want to make, yep. you know, for some people they get better <laughs> better products um, because <laughs> their, their government insists upon it. So I think that's not cool at all. That's something that we need to talk about more. I want to talk about more about the things that, you know, for a long time, like when I see you and I always say my English roses, all the my English blogger girlfriends in London and we sit down and we have tea and we talk so frankly, like I love that. Yep. American bloggers are not quite there talking about right. things in that way. And so this is one of the reasons I wanted to have you on because I'm like, I love when we get together and have conversations and we're frank and open. And yep. I think it's starting to happen here. And I want to talk about it. I want to talk about diversity in green beauty. Yep. This is going to be um, a huge topic for 2019. I've been talking yep. about it ever since I've been in green beauty because I have that background um, that, yep. that I can relate to. Um, but it's interesting that right now, it's becoming uh, a topic that even our customers are, say, are insisting. They want to talk about it. They want to be part of the conversation. Yep. They want to be part of, of how, how we market to them. And this is very important to me because from our very beginning, Karen and I were very cognizant of that. And we thought we don't want to create products that cater to one group or a demographic. Yep. And I always hated that, Linda, because when we – spoke with retailers or with press, we always heard that word, the demographic of the green beauty consumer. Yeah. And I didn't like it because I didn't even fit that demographic. And neither, yeah. neither did Karen. And so I kind of want to avoid that word, the demographic of green beauty. I want to talk about sure. diversity. What do you feel is lacking with connection between green beauty and people of color, women of color, what do you think is lacking? What do you think we can do and improve upon? Yeah, well, I think that the, the you know there's the various sides to this. So I think firstly, um, in terms of the green beauty space and diversity visually, I do think that the US is ahead of the UK. You um, do? Oh, cool. Because it feels like on on certain levels where we're still a few little you know way behind on on that front. Um, is what I noticed firsthand. Um, and I think that the way the green beauty has evolved it, into being, as you said, targeting a specific demographic or visually, I, you know, I won't mention the celebrity names that people tend to associate with <laughs> um, 
green beauty. I'm sure we both know <laughs> yes. the types of celebrities that I'm talking about. And I've always been very confused by how it is that that has become the focus because, you know, if you look at the, the roots of where green beauty began from, um, where all the ingredients come from, where a lot of the knowledge, whether it's Ayurveda, you know, Indian knowledge from thousands of years or Chinese medicine, or all the raw materials. You have this amazing global influence that goes into making green beauty products and why that isn't reflected in the marketing and the visuals and who people are targeting has always really confused me because it just doesn't make any sense um, how it become, became this one idea of the ideal demographic. It's one that I found very, very confusing. Yeah, uh, me too. And I think... I think as always, you know, things start out as a trend and then it's like, you know, is it cool to talk about this? And But authenticity often lacks with marketing. It really does. And this is, this is why I've always had an issue with marketing and PR people. Like I, yeah. we had some, it just didn't work for me. It didn't work for us. I felt extremely inauthentic of who we were targeting I mean, I remember one time having our, our PR firm having us meet, <laughs> having, this is completely true, Linda, having us meet yeah. all these <laughs> real housewives of New York at an event. Oh, gosh. I, I met all these real housewives of New York, and they're, you know, polite and, you know, very polite women coming to meet yeah. us and talk about our products and, you know, we gave them goodie bags, but it felt so inauthentic to me. I'm like, this is right. This is so outside the realm of my world of what I'm doing, yep. my vision, and it was almost comical. You know, it was almost comical. And so, I think there lacks authenticity with marketing um, green beauty and who they're marketing to. And now, what I find ironic, like you, is. You know, not only where our ingredients are coming from, they're in global ingredients, like you said, but the customer who hasn't had a voice in this and yet is a very loyal customer to beauty in general. You know, I did some yep. research on this and I researched that Latina women um, spend more money on beauty products and cosmetics than any other yep. ethnic demographic. Okay, so that's one. And I, I yep. and, and so we had an event here. Um, we had an event a few, few, a month ago, and we had the most diverse crowd. I really wished that that a lot of green beauty people would have seen our event, would have been here in person yep. to see the diversity of our crowd. I felt very proud of it because we're in Chicago. We we are you know very diverse here. I felt very proud that different people came to our event and yep. were asked amazing questions, were taken care of, and that we had something to offer everyone. We had a transgender woman who came yeah. and she said, you know, she felt weird going to department stores because she felt like disconnected. And we had Meryl of Hint Beauty take care of her. And, and right. she felt like she could ask all the questions and she left so happy with products that she felt were suited for her. We had black women, Latino women, Asian yep. women, Indian women, like everybody that came wow. found something and had something to say. And I learned a lot because 
I learned that, yeah, definitely I need to follow my voice and what Karen and I have been talking about for years, like we need to do this, um, that to even believe that there, you have a, a demographic is incorrect, yeah. I think, and I want you to help me with this because I've been asking sure. different people and from my own knowledge, I think that one of the reasons that there is a lack in connection with a uh, uh, women of color and green beauty too, it, not only because they, they're not seeing that available to them, yep. but for so long they have bought incorrect products, right? They bought the wrong foundation and yep. they have to mix and match them. You know, my sister has this, my sister has uh, darker coloring than me yep. and she has, um, you know, different hair texture than, than I do. And she says, yep. she's like, I have to do this. I have to do that. And every time, you know, uh, someone launches a new color collection, like it's very few for women of color and a lot yes. for, you know, Caucasian skin, lighter skin tones. Yep. And for women of color, we, we often have to buy a few things to match it correctly to our skin. So I think the, the connection that is lacking there, but is now being demanded by that consumer um, is because for so long there just wasn't that product that connected with that consumer. And now that consumer I, is saying, hey, what about me? I've been spending yep. money on this on these products for years and you're still not yep. you know listening to me. What do you feel about that? Like how do I, you, how do you relate to that 100% as percent agree with that. Yeah. Absolutely I agree with that. I mean for a start in the UK um, black women are the highest spenders on beauty. And a lot of that has been historically because the drugstore did not have colors that were suitable for us. So we were forced to go and spend high end. So we're used to spending money because we had to on luxury products, you know. So where my friends would go to like Superdrug or Boots and spend two or three pounds on makeup, I would have to go and spend 20, 30 pounds because only a high-end retailer would have colors suitable for me. Um, so in terms of having money to spend, there's that. Um, secondly, the, the availability of suitable colors and textures um, is, has been pathetic, to be honest. <laughs> um, I read an article a few years ago asking why I loved Green Beauty so much, but it didn't love me back because <laughs> I've had to, <laughs> I've had to literally hunt high and low to find makeup and it's improved slightly now um but still you know brands launch products and they'll have 10 colors and the darkest shade will be i mean we're talking 50 shades of age <laughs> um <laughs> whole foods uh, can i name brands can i name stores sure go ahead okay so whole foods in london we've got the biggest branch of whole foods in the whole world is right here in london and their debut their their beauty hall they didn't have a single product suitable for afro hair until last year wow the darkest shade of foundation they've got i put it on my skin i did an insta story on it and basically it's i'd have to be a corpse to look okay in this color and it's <laughs> it's three or four shades too light for me wow and this is the darkest shade available so if you think that i'm a medium brown all the darker shades that are available and found in London, which, you know, is a very diverse city. And a store as big as Whole Foods doesn't cater to us. 
So that's a bit of an issue. And, you know, I've spoken to some um, green beauty, green makeup founders, and I've asked the question firsthand, why don't you have darker shades? And um, I've been told by some of them that it's because there was no demand, <laughs> which kind of, um, I had to have, to have a moment, <laughs> because it's very catch-52. There are no products, so if a person of colour goes to buy the products, which they have done, I've been to, you know, Whole Foods, I got in touch with the MD to ask them why they had no colours, but there's nothing there for us to buy. So, of course, there's no demand, because as a consumer, there's no products, you're not marketed to, so there's no, you know, it's very catch-22. It is. So it's disconnected. It is extremely disconnected. Um, and I actually hosted an event um, at a place called Content, which is kind of the best... I would say green beauty store in in the UK and it was all focused on green beauty for people of color and we had this amazing attendance there um the store said it was one of the best events they'd ever had you know all their time going because there was this hunger and demand and interest in finding out about what there was available so the demand for sure is there companies need to step up step up their game and produce better products and you know i can see the changes happening because i'm always asking brands directly you know when are you going to improve your offering and eventually you know it seems that that you know um the words not falling on deaf ears any longer so the changes are happening but it's slow yeah. and i think part of it is because people are recognizing money you know there's green beauty and then there's just the power of green cash <laughs> And I think that, you know, some of the awareness and um, knowledge that you've got to be more inclusive and not just necessarily about um, skin color, but also, you know, using different ages and genders um, Absolutely. is because brands see that there's money to be made there. Well, you know, that's definitely going to be the case for, you know, bigger brands. They're, you know, like, again, I really predict that for 2019, we're going to be talking about this a lot more. And I'm yep. so happy about it because it is, it, it's been a long time coming, right? It's been a long time coming. And it really sucks to think that there are customers out there that are interested, don't feel connected to brands or products because they're not being marketed to, that they're being left out of big, huge decision making and um, I, I, I don't like that. I've personally felt that Linda, like I've personally no, felt I've, you know, that myself. So I know what that feels like. And I, I'm glad that more people are doing what you're doing and going to Whole Foods and, and you know, making somebody accountable, like addressing these questions to somebody and to brands. That's really important. And I, I really, I think it is because also, you know, Whole Foods, you know, I've been a, a ridiculously, I've been shopping in that Whole Foods from the very first day it opened. And the fact that I, as a customer, had to keep asking over and over again, I actually find very disrespectful because you're telling me that my voice and that you're happy to take my money, that you're not happy to, to serve me back in terms of offering me and other people like me when you're happy to for me to spend my money all those all, for all those years. Um, I think that it is not very good business sense or practice. Um, and it is upsetting, actually, as well, because, you know, with, within all my friends, I've been using Green Beauty skincare for 20 years. 
way, way before green beauty was a term. But makeup, I, I mean, it has been so hard to find um, that it, you know, it's always this big challenge um, of trying to find and, and thinking, well, why is it so difficult? Um, you know, I know that formulating, that there's the issue of formulating colours, that darker skin has different pigmentation, so you need to be a little bit more skilled, but the knowledge is out there now, so I don't really see any excuse of why brands can't offer something suitable. And I know there's a lot of talk, there's been the talk of the whole Fenty Beauty effect. I don't think brands need to produce 50 colours, but I think they need to have, so if they have five colours, there needs to be a spectrum from light to dark to show that inclusivity is something that matters to you because I think it's so, so important for the state of the world, for the soul, for everything. I think that being inclusive changes everything because it affects everything as well. I agree with you so much on that. I I think that we need to be definitely more mindful of inclusivity in every aspect, you know, every aspect. And you were talking about makeup because makeup is something that, you know, you can try right there and have an instant result, right? An instant connection to like, yep. does this work? Does this color look good on me? So on and so on. Um, I think in skincare, I mean, this is this is very interesting because I'm wondering, I'm wondering if there are people, both brands that are making product and customers that are disconnected from one another because maybe a brand feels like they are not making products for Asian skin or Latina skin right. or black skin. And maybe there are customers that think, hey, this brand, you know, they're, they're you know, owned by Caucasian women, Caucasian formulators, you know, market to Caucasian um, consumers, they don't get my skin. Is, does that make sense? Does that not make sense? Is there any element in there that you think that I might think be true? I think that there's, a, you know, a little bit of that potentially. But I think that generally, you know, as a black consumer, we're used to buying from a range of different ethnicities. So, I think that looking at the owner is then generally something that we would necessarily decide on the knowledge of. We look at the product, generally speaking. Um, and I think I think the visuals the brand uses are one of the really big things. So there's some brands who actually have got diverse colours, but you never ever see that on their Instagram page. You never ever see that on any of their advertising. So that's a bit of an issue because they've got the product. But they, they don't feel like, I'm not quite sure what the right phrase is. They're not showing that they've got that product. So, of course, it won't sell. And then eventually, they'll probably discontinue it because it's not selling. Because consumers aren't aware that it's there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, it's a bit of an issue. And going back, um, there was a study, I think, last year that showed that um, people of colour um, were exposed to far more toxins within their beauty products because of the lack of options that there was in the green beauty space wow so I, um, I it did. was I, yeah I, which yeah. was quite shocking um but i think that how brands so if, if a brand ultimately like with any other any any type of marketing a consumer needs to see themselves represented what is being offered yeah they need to see themselves i mean and i feel that you don't you you know so let's say you're you're a more mature person 
and all you ever see is a brand using teenage girls with perfect flawless skin <laughs> that will make you question whether that brand has got something for you right are if you, are you are dark skinned and you only ever see one kind of shade of color used by a brand again you'll question whether they have the knowledge or the actual product will actually work for you because right. you can't tell that by based on what they are yeah or you're not interested. Like, I'm not interested in that. I'm not interested. I'm, that's not my age. I'm not interested in, you know, things with glitter, products with glitter. Like, that. I know that, that yep. you know, there are some people that are interested, but it's not for me. And you're right. If that's what's shown, then that's kind of like, that's what you're... That's your that's your first impression. That's what you associate that yep. brand with. So, and you know, and, and also, I think that there's... Uh, responsibility, um, not just with like the brands and how they market, but also with press and media as well. So I just want to tell you a little, little story. Um, for the longest time, ever since we started our business, we've had every big magazine, media group, yep. um, very, uh, huge blogs, online, you know, magazines have all wanted us to advertise with them. And right. two things that I found unattractive about those deals. One is that, you know, we're a small brand. We don't have that kind of marketing dollar to be in Vogue magazine and have, you know, a, yep. a one page. Like, that's not where my money is going to go because I have other things that I need to focus on. And that's not it. Second, one uh -huh. of the reasons, another reason I wouldn't um, even consider that is because, again, they're not marketing to the wide um, group that I want to represent and that I want to include in, in how we make products and for our company. From the very beginning, we knew this. We were, you know, Karen and I are, I, I'm a person of color. Karen is a full-figured girl. We both knew, like, we're yep. not exactly the people that our um, community is targeting. So, how yep. do, how do we say we want to include the people like us, people of color, full figured women, um, the whole range, gay women, lesbian women? Like we yep. we wanted you know that to offer that, and I feel like a lot of these magazines don't. So why would I pay to be in something that doesn't right. offer inclusivity in that way? So. There's a, there's a an online magazine that I really enjoyed reading all their articles and I loved a lot of their recipes and you know we were kind of connected in a way but then I noticed like there is never black woman there's never a latina woman there's never you know there's just it's always the same person that they're showing on their Instagram right. the same type of person and that's not me and it's yep. not my sister and it's not my friends and it's just not inclusive enough for me I don't want to be associated with that. So that's the power that we have as a brand as well and a responsibility to our customers that we don't give our money to um, certain groups or businesses that don't cater to our needs as well. Like we have the power to do that. Like these magazines that wow, come and I, hit, I, yeah, and hit, yeah, and hit us up. I, yeah. I would love to know if more, you know, because if more brands did that, the change, there would be such a, you know, it would be this this wave um, and things would change because I think, as you say, I think all of us, we vote for the world we want when we spend our money. 
So where we give our money, it's, it's, it's the world we want to create. And what you've just said about how you thought that through with that publication, I think is amazing. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, it, and it, I felt like, you know, we felt like outcasts. I'm not going to lie. It wasn't like it was cool yep. to do that because, you know, yep. <laughs> I just was like, no, I'm not going to give you guys my money. I'm not going to give you my time or my attention because you don't take care yep. of my needs as a, a reader yep. of your magazine, as a reader of your online blog. Like I'm not feeling represented or connected. So I'm not going to give you, and, and it wasn't that we, you know, like we were being so cool. It's just that we yep. felt like, you know, this is not, this is not for us. And there's one thing that we do have power right now and it's our money and who we give it to. And even in like doing events. Wow. We, <laughs> we learned that real quick, real quick. And we stopped that because I was like, oh, these, the people that are coming to these events and I'm talking about buyers, they are not looking, we're not cool enough. Okay, we're not the demographic. Again, I'm using that in quotation. You, right. can't, you can't see my fingers, Linda, but I'm doing it. And um, they're, the, the, they're, not, they're not looking for me. So why am I spending $10,000 to be here? I think that people are more, I mean, I know for my, myself that I now will not buy products from companies that I don't feel are serving my needs. I think brands need to you know, wake up and realize that they can't hide anymore. Um, they do need to, when somebody asks a valid question, they should be able to answer those questions because we'll just say, next, move on to somebody else if you can't. And I think it's important that brands start to wake up and to realize that there are customers that are going to start asking them now where, you know, they felt they had no voice and now they realize, yep. you know, I do have a voice and I do have the power to hold people accountable if they're out in the public making products why aren't they making it for me yep. we've come we're coming from a place of we want to buy your products right? we want this good stuff we're not coming from a place of dragging anybody's business down we want to buy product which is what's crazy about it that this, this demand and this willingness we, we, we our money is here ready to buy and that's why we're asking questions because we want to buy yeah and um, in this case, I hope people are really listening and really open opportunities for other people because it's, you know, like you said, you want to buy product. So our customers yeah. there is customers there. But I want to thank you so much for coming on and and talking um, and to us and sharing, you know, stories and information, all your knowledge. I really appreciate that, Linda. Oh, you're so welcome. Um, I, you know, love you guys, love what you're doing, I love what you stand for, love the ingredients you use, so um, delighted to be part of this. Um, I think that, yeah, this, this universe you've created is a wonderful thing. Oh, thank you so much. Saint is quickly becoming the go-to non-toxic makeup brand, promising results you've come to expect from high-end makeup. Saint's plant-based skincare makeup is cruelty, gluten, and fragrance-free, designed for light to dark skin tones. An award-winning and a Night for Green Beauty approved brand, Saint strives to empower makeup wearers with innovative formulations in all its product categories. Made with food-grade EcoCert certified ingredients like vitamin C-rich cockadoo plum, anti-aging rosehip oil and skin nourishing aloe vera. Saint is a non-toxic makeup collection designed without compromise on wearability, health, 
or product performance. Hi, Roman. Hi, Victoria. How are you? I'm good. I'm in Chicago. I hope you're keeping warm. It's been snowing in Toronto nonstop. Well, today nonstop, but it's it's annoying. I'm trying to stay warm. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing you very soon in Los Angeles. Um, Raman, I want to I want to introduce our listeners to you. So, will you give a little introduction and tell people how we even know each other? <laughs> Sure, I think I would love to. I would love to say I uh, was actually on a trip to. I was in Europe and I was traveling from was from Paris to Italy. And I don't know if you remember Victoria, but it was a really big deal. It was back in two thousand eight. Um, L magazine, L U S, launched its very first eco um, eco publication and it was everything from eco fashion to eco beauty and um, this is a really big deal because this was like grassroots and a lot of the brands that we have right now were not even on the radar they did not exist there was a handful of players back then uh, but I remember flipping through this magazine while I was on this train and I discovered the beauty section and they featured this retailer out in Venice, California called Vert. Oh, yeah. And I, was like, I remember that. I remember Vert. What is this? And it was like <laughs> a three-page spread, right, on a retailer back then. So I was like, what is this? I've never heard of this. Fast forward, I you know, just, again, started at the grassroots level and had been watching this industry, this conglomerate within this conglomerate growing and at some point, oh my God, Victoria, was it like five years ago? Four? I feel like I've known you forever. But I was reading a blog post, and it was this review on your serum. It was the Barberry Big Renewal Serum. And I read the ingredients, and at this point, I you know studied so many ingredients, and I couldn't pronounce a lot of the stuff that I was reading, and came across a formulation that I've never seen before. And it really piqued my interest. And I was like, okay, I don't know. I don't know this brand. I don't even think I knew how to pronounce La Bella Figaro back then. <laughs> and I read the ingredients, and I was like, I need to get in touch with her. So here I am in Toronto. Um, I find out you're in Chicago. I think I sent you an email, and I was like, you know, can I, can I get on the phone with you? I just took the initiative, and I was like, I need to get this brand into Canada, and I know it will do really well here. So that's how we started. And I think you ignored me for a little while. <laughs> it was just persistent. <laughs> Eventually, we had a really good conversation. <laughs> I ignored you for months. <laughs> you did. You did. And I was like, I know. in my early to mid-20s, and I was like, nope. Well, going to get her on the phone. <laughs> first, first of all, that was more than five years ago, my dear. it was wasn't it yes five years ago was nothing (laughs) five years ago was our first night for green beauty event at the same time and this is what i want to share with our audience is that you and i um had some different experiences with green beauty from the get-go being um women of color and and even breaking into the market from your perspective as a salesperson and mine as business owner was very unique and different. And so what do you think about 
like from then to now that maybe has changed that's beneficial to women of color, women getting into this business, bloggers writing about green beauty that might be of different ethnicities and different cultures and even, you know, um, boys and guys getting into green beauty. Like, what do you think you notice now that maybe wasn't so noticeable in 2008? Um, well, first of all, social media. Um, and I think the desire for women of color and just people of color and different ethnicities and backgrounds, I think we all had this interest in green beauty because, you know, it's, it's, it's not fair to say that that interest didn't exist because we were also a market that was experimenting with organic food, vegan diets. Um, and naturally, when you're, uh, when you're focused in those areas, beauty is a very natural stepping stone and very easy avenue for us to fall into. So I think what's really brought this community together since 2008 up until now is definitely social media. And I think it's just created this platform and monster of voices that are also saying we too want um, want solutions for our skin types and we do want colors that match our skin tones and it's not it, the beauty industry can't really create solutions unless there's a demand or a need for it and what I love about what's happening today and I think we're so on topic and this is so timely is that demand has never been stronger and you know we're, we may have gotten the ability to be as loud as we have been of late because of what's been happening, um, let's just, with Fenty Beauty. Brianna, you know, she took the corporate route, but the route and the message of that launch, nobody in the industry could deny it, whether you were a conventional beauty brand or if you were a niche luxury organic beauty brand. So I think that entire platform has been created, and if anything, it's just been elevated. The need and the desire for women of color and people of color has always been there. I just think right now we're having the conversation, and we're being a lot more bold, and we're not being apologetic in terms of what we need, and really just asking for solutions, because our skin is different. Our needs are different. And we love to also shop and have access to products um, from luxury retailers, whether they're uh, green beauty specific or if you're walking into, you know, say a Neiman Marcus or Nordstrom's. Um, I think green beauty is on all of these ret retailers' radar, but what's really important right now is the ability for these retailers to um, carve out that space that, it's definitely a desire that they're paying attention to um, and bridge that gap because they have the space, the retailer, or sorry, the retail space exists, the customer exists, and we just need to, um, we need to bring that closer. And there's what's, I think what's really missing is authenticity. And if we can create an authentic way to bridge those two together, um, there's going to be so many, um, that's really how we're striving towards inclusivity, not just in color, but as well as skincare treatments, hair treatments, um, solutions for you know body care. It ticks off every single category that a retailer sells in terms of their product categories. 
Yeah, I agree with you on a lot of that. I really, really do. I think it's interesting that you said, you pointed out that, you know, we've been interested. We're just being more vocal about it now. I want to talk a little bit about that because I've received some emails and direct messages and even text messages from people uh, that are customers and friends and um, the whole spectrum. I have, I actually feel that this has been a long time coming. We just didn't know how to talk about this. There is, there is a consensus among people of color, women of color, that if you talk about some of this diversity that you are complaining and that is not fair. I personally have felt that to bring some of these issues up um, that it may sound as though I'm complaining. As a matter of fact, Roman, I recently had a direct message from someone who said to me that she loves my product, she loves my brand, but she's really tired of hearing about all this diversity and inclusivity, and she would really rather that I focus on beauty. So I thought, I'm not going to shut up to talk about my background or about the things that matter to me, because I've been having this conversation with friends, and I hear the same thing. There's this pain when you're not acknowledged, when you're not marketed to, when you are not seeing yourself or someone like you in magazines and movies and films and, you know, it, on Instagram. So I don't think people understand what that feels like for one thing. So it's an emotional reaction. The second part of it is that it's 2019 and diversity just makes us all better. It makes, it brings opportunity to all of us in a way that I think strengthens us as people, as humans, and with offering um, of a wide variety of things. So I don't, I'm not going to shut up talking about that. I really, really was upset to read that because um, I don't think she would say the same thing to a Gwyneth Paltrow or to anybody else that's talking about maybe other things to say, you know, don't talk about that. Talk about what you know. I just think it was uncomfortable. And so this is, you know, the message that I received. She doesn't like the topic. It's uncomfortable. So just talk about beauty because that will be okay and comfortable enough for her. Um, I am feeling like I really owe the women of color, customers, retailers, other brand founders, young women like my niece to talk about this because I have an opportunity and I have connection to do so. So I'm going to talk about it. And I think it's time that we come out in the open to talk about it in a way that maybe others can understand and we bridge that gap, like you said, to feel comfortable and like, let's talk about an authentic way. I am seeing some things I'm not really liking lately um, when it comes to diversity and inclusivity that some people are feeling like, oh my gosh, I screwed up. I haven't done this. So now let me just put, you know, a person of color on 
my Instagram and, you know, that's not cool either. So let's talk about it for real in an authentic way and say, how can we help each other? How can we help each other to be comfortable and talk about this and what we need? You know, so I know there are things that I need and there are things that you need as a consumer. And how do we move forward now? How do we move forward to bridge that gap? Um, so many great points you just brought up. And, you know, as far as it goes back to your needs and that entire generation is um, you've got the platform, but we also have the responsibility to do this. And it's our job to make this message clear and understandable. Secondly, the whole aspect about retail um, and, you know, people that are really, I think a lot of, a lot of businesses are jumping on this and taking the viewpoint of they have to do this because everyone else is doing it. And that is such a wrong approach because the energy behind that is felt through the consumers. It is not authentic. And if these businesses are putting up pictures of women of color because everyone else is doing it, they're, they're totally missing the entire point of this. And I'm going to give you an example because you're right. A lot of the times when we do voice that we need colors, like we're asking, we're not complaining. And we have to ask for something that doesn't exist because we have a desire to own this item. Um, it just doesn't exist yet. So we're really asking for it. And the example I'm going to give you is it was when years ago, um, as a consumer, I went into a Barney's and, you know, just spending my time in the beauty department and I saw the Josie Moran display. This is way before Josie Moran was even in Sephora. And I was so excited because I was on this movement of, you know, clean skincare. Um, everything in my, everything I was using personally was clean. Food, hair care, face care, um, but makeup, I just could not touch it because I know there was not color being produced to, um, that would, that would suit my skin tone. Anyway, I saw this display and I saw that Josie Moran had concealers. So I went up to the sales lady and I asked her to show me the product, loved the formulation, and I looked at the very, the darkest shade. Inside my heart, as a consumer, I knew the shade was not going to work for me. I was just so excited to purchase a green beauty product by Josie Moran inside of Barney's. It's that nostalgia. I had an emotional connection to the retailer. I had an emotional connection to the brand. And I, as a consumer, just really wanted this product. So I bought this product. It did not match me, but I wore it <laughs> because it met my out. So, you know, just being a total fool, walking around with, like, gray, gray under eyes. Like, most of the time we're buying concealer because we're trying to cover up our dark circles, right? Not me. I went around wearing it because at least it's good for me. At least it was free of toxins and chemicals. So let me just go around with this Indian skin tone and gray under eyes. <laughs> eventually, I talked myself out of it. But you know what? You know what, Victoria? I could not bring myself to throw that product away. Knowing it wasn't right for me. Just because I looked at my entire vanity and all these products, that are, you know, because it was just such a, it was an important desire for me. I really wanted these solutions. They just did not exist. So if anybody's taking this as, 
you're complaining. Well, I'm going to say to those people, you're missing an opportunity. You're missing a huge opportunity. And it's just something that cannot be ignored in the industry. It, it, so it I can't. think what people need... It cannot. You know, and what people need to do, they need to step back. Like, if you're a retailer, you need to kind of step back and look at what you're putting out and why you're putting it out. And if you're putting it out because everyone else is doing it, then you need to back that up with some solutions that you have for those types of skin tones and really, truly understand those um, types of skin problems. If not, have, have a sincere passion to learn what those types of skin is that type of skin needs um whether it's coloring or type i you, you know, know it's i agree that's a good that's a good way to solve some of that lack of diversity and also how to bring diversity into green beauty because i think some people feel um retailers and brands and customers just don't know how to Bring up the topic. Um, I've talked about this a lot with different people um, and and different people of color as well. And it's so interesting because um, Linda, you, you remember Linda from London? That beautiful I do, yeah, I yeah, do. blogger. Yes. She okay, so she, you know, she was saying, like, let's just talk about it. I mean, if you don't talk about it, that hurts more because you're ignoring, mm-hmm. you know, you're ignoring um people's needs when talking about it and say, Hey, what is it that we can do to bridge the gap? What is it that we can do to help you find the right products? Because at the end of the day, retailers want to sell products. Brands want customers. Customers want good products. There's a whole relationship there and to pretend or to exclude, you know, groups of people, types of people and focus on, the demographic, I'm doing my quotations in the air that you can't see, Roman, is... <laughs> I can hear it in your yeah, voice. <laughs> it's not, it's just not, it's not good business at the end of the day. It's not good business. And so no, not, I, you're, you're, right. you're, you're correct in saying that, you know, bringing up these issues in an authentic way needs to be addressed and it should be presented by, you know, what is a concern for you? What can I help you find? How can we help you find that for a brand? How can we make this available to you? Um, if you, if they need to learn, you know, how to make makeup in all shades, then go ahead, go do that. Um, people will welcome and people will wait and welcome the opportunity to try the correct concealer so they don't have great under eyes like you did. Um, and, you know, and that's it. You know, it's not disgraceful in any way. If you haven't been diverse and now you want to be, it's, you know, we learn when we know better, we, we do better, right? Maya Angelou said that, and it's so true. This is why this business even exists, because we all started to know more and what was better for us in the environment as far as skincare and makeup and beauty products. And so here we are again. You know, the same, you know, we're in 2019 and we're in the same situation where there are groups of people who have been saying for a long time, I'm not seeing myself. I don't see shades for myself. This is the topic that is going to be on the forefront of 2019, not just in our industry and green and clean beauty, but overall. And it's just about time. So um, going back to that direct message from that person, I deleted that message, which I really regret. I was just upset. So I deleted it. Um, 
I just want to say that we're not going to stop talking about this. We're going to talk about it more. And the, and I had this conversation with Bella, my niece, yesterday. I, talk, I, I was talking to her about the direct message, and I was talking to her about all of this. And she said, you know, it is really ridiculous if for anybody to not want to make money. You know, if you're... <laughs> This is a 16-year-old saying it's ridiculous for people not want to want to make money because my friends, I do, we buy all this stuff and, we, you know, we, they have to go through so much to find the right shades, so much work. And these are teenagers. This is what they want to spend their money on. So if a teenager has enough, you know, uh, whereabouts to know, to know that this, at the end of the day, that we all are in relationships to make money and grow businesses and give opportunities to customers, then so should all of us that are in the business and has have been in the business for a long time. Oh, without a doubt. And there's no shame in saying we don't know how to do this. No. It's okay to be vulnerable and, you know, just say we, we don't know how to do this, we're figuring it out. But instead of just plastering, you know, overnight women of color, um, it, I, that, I agree. There's no, there's, there's just no authenticity in that. And to go off of this DM, and I did want to say something about that, is, you know, somebody who can feel that confident to send a message to you directly, whether it's through a DM or say to your face, this person clearly has been the, um, the consumer who has been served, who has somebody that she can flip to in magazines and say, she looks like me. You know, so there's a, there's a level of... Uh, Tell me if I'm wrong. There is a level of privilege there that, you know, somebody can just so comfortably. And and entitlement to say, like, I don't want to hear about this anymore. Just talk about beauty. But I am talking about beauty. And I am talking about in the realm of my world and my experiences in beauty and what I want to provide, you know, my customers. Like, we, we make skincare. And yet, you know, there's this notion that it shouldn't affect, um, it shouldn't affect you if you're black or white or Latina or Asian or whatever because skincare is skincare. But that's not true. We have different needs. We have different you skin do. types. We have familiar familiarity. Oh my gosh, I can't even say that word. Familiarity with <laughs> one another ethnically, um, based on certain um, you know skin you know issues like hyperpigmentation. If you have a lot more melanin in your skin, you're prone to hyperpigmentation, and it's harder to get rid of when you scar, when you have an acne scar, and, you know, what kind of products are suitable to that, what kind of products really target that type of hyperpigmentation. Um, so uh, it, it, there's, there is a responsibility there. You're so right about that, and there is a way to talk about this that is not trying to make anybody feel shame or shameful, like, but it's, it, it's extremely annoying to me to, like you said, notice all of a sudden, you know, that, you know, all these predictions for 2019 were like diversity and inclusivity are going to be, you know, forefront of the topic. Well, that's, <laughs> that has been going on with um, women of color for a long time. So now that it's deemed, you know, official by all these magazines and all these beauty bloggers and all these people that have been saying this for 2019, now that it's, you know, officially out there, um, it's, it, not, it does not look or feel good or authentic to see women of color all of a sudden just thrown on front pages, put on 
Instagram accounts where you've never seen them before. And if retailers and brands think that consumers are not paying attention to that and not, not getting that act of tokenism, they're wrong. So let's rewind and start from a place that is authentic and sincere. And if it has to be extremely vulnerable to say, I don't know how to do this, how do, we, how do I do this? Then let's talk about that. Um, Linda and I talked about, you know, like doing a class. She, she had a class. Um, she ran a class in, in London about this very topic and that it was very successful. So, you know, that, that sounds like a great idea to me. There's so many people that are like, I don't know how to take care of my Latina skin or I, I want the right products for my Asian, you know, skin or my really super curly hair that I don't know how to deal with. Um, what do you think? Oh, on point, on point. It's absolutely, it starts with education and it starts with really, you know, the education platform already exists. We just need to start catering it to a demographic that's asking for the knowledge. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. Um, what is one product for you as an Indian woman and you ha that you have struggled to find for years and years and years in the green beauty industry? I have my product. What's your product? Um, okay, so for me, it was foundation. Okay. And it was I hear that a definitely lot. like foundation, going into lipsticks, mascaras, um, bronzers, highlighters, easy. But really my complexion products, my foundation, pressed powder, concealer, and those were just, could not for the life of me find anything that went to medium. Forget dark skin tone. A lot of these companies cannot even cater to medium skin tone. And truly, honestly, it wasn't until I found St. Cosmetics where I can advocate as a user, as a brand lover, that I have one foundation shade. One. It is an absolute miracle of all the brands that existed in the world. I'm talking conventional, non-conventional. It was St. Cosmetics where I was able to find one shade that works with my skin tone. And it was unbelievable. It was okay. something that, you know, you could not... I'm sorry, Roman. I want to, I'm going to interrupt you for one second because you're you're saying one shade, and people that may may not understand that when you're a person of color, that very often the case is that you are using several shades to create <laughs> your own shade that works for you, yeah. and so to find that you don't have to do that, that you can buy the correct product, was eye opening for you and amazing for you. Um, um, so talk about that because people don't understand that. Like my sister, this has happened to my sister so many times and she's like, she should be formulating makeup because she had to mix so many different foundations to find the right one. And she was always complaining. And then if something got discontinued and then she had to find something to replace that to mix her shades, she would be so mad. Um, I, I want to talk about that. That's so important for people to understand what that's like. Oh my goodness. Until you actually just, phrased it like that, I actually realized that you're right, it, how, how much of a problem it is to just find one shade. And it wasn't just the fact that you had to find your one shade, it was your, when you're medium to dark skin tone, or if you tan easily, you have to do this process a few 
you're chasing a rabbit, you're never going to catch it. It was so annoying. Okay, so, so yes, yeah, so, so this is another thing I want to address real quick, just because it might sound like it makes no sense. But when you are, <laughs> no, because it, it sounds like what, you go lighter and darker, like it, that doesn't sound like it makes sense. But when, in, the, in the winter time, you might still be tan, but you are not suntan, like you are in the, in the summertime. And so you need to match your foundation to the coloring that you are in the wintertime. And then in the summertime, when, if you're medium to tan or even darker, you do get darker. I get darker in the summer, so I I understand what you're talking about. Some people might not, but that's a good thing to point out that you do. You know, you're constantly trying to find the products. Um, if you are a person of color, that you might have this experience. This is great. It's great that you're interjecting because I'm truly just sharing it from my experience and how I would word it with my girlfriends. Even, um, <laughs> but you're right. Just to kind of put it in the grand scheme of things, there's an entire audience. Um, that are probably like, what is she talking about? Um, is she a chameleon? Kind of. <laughs> you know? So, yes, I mean, these problems, are they're real. And not just that, you're constantly in this cycle of experimenting, right? And you you have to spend a lot of money, and you got to just, just the testing. So it was really frustrating, and honestly, that was the biggest one for me. And when I found that, it was like, I... It's like when you find that one life-changing product, and I'm glad you asked that question because Truly Speechless, it was my life-changing product, was finding foundation that matched my skin tone. Yeah, that that is so important because if you're wearing the wrong one, you know, it's obvious. <laughs> oh, yeah, the floating head. So just a background story, I was trying to explain to Victoria what a floating head was earlier. She's like, what did you just say? And I was like, yeah, you heard me, floating head. And it was one of those, when you're wearing the wrong foundation color and you're a woman of color and say you're <laughs> you're in a photograph and you get that flashback, it's when your face is lighter than the rest of your body where you really just look, it's got this ashy undertone and it's just been coined as this floating head term. A lot of makeup artists use it. Um, it's not a good look. It's just not a good look. <laughs> Or if you're too orange, I mean, I one time, once, Roman, once I, it was, I was in Los Angeles and, um, and I realized like I was going out to an event and I was wearing a dress and I realized that my legs were so pale. So even though my face, I can, you know, use foundation to make my face like even with foundation and concealers and, and match it to, you know, my neck, um, there are certain parts of my body in the wintertime that just get pale and my legs are one of them, my legs and my chest area. So I was like, wow, my legs are so pale. I need to do a self tanner so that, you know, it's not obvious how pale my legs are because I'm not wearing stockings. And so I, <laughs> I bought this self tanner and I put it on my legs and I follow the directions um, and when I got outside into sunlight, my friend said, what is up with your legs? They're orange. Oh my goodness. And they oh were, my goodness. They were, they were the wrong, <laughs> wrong, they were the wrong shade and they were like orange and I, and I couldn't get it off. I, uh, oh. I couldn't get it oh, off. Man. I had to wear, <laughs> I had to wear slacks, but see, this is like. You know, this is, you know, a problem that I, a lot of, you know, people that I know have experienced of just 
trying to deal with these adjustments and trying to find the right product so that you don't end up with <laughs> orange legs or having to cover them up oh, or that, that you have, terrible. like You're you just said. You're lucky it wasn't a red carpet where you had an entire paparazzi. I mean, I would have, that would have been funny. I would have <laughs> worn pants. I would have worn some slacks. I would have had to cover up the orange legs. There's no way I would, you know, that would be plaster. Who, I, I don't know who would want to, what paparazzi want to take a picture of me, but I would have, I would have covered, I mean, I had to, oh it was goodness. pretty bad. So it's funny because, I mean, this has yeah, happened. it's great that we can laugh about it, but these problems are real. <laughs> they really, they really exist. They really do exist. And I want to help bridge the gap so that there are less embarrassing experiences <laughs> for people of color, women of color, transgender women, um, gay men who wear makeup and are, you know, really getting into makeup right now. I have friends that are gay men and are getting into makeup and they're asking questions too. And, you know, and whoever wants to use makeup and whoever wants to use skincare, it doesn't matter to me. If you have a curiosity and you have a desire to use these products. We want to find the right products for you. Um, we want to talk about it. We should all be in a relationship to educate one another and talk about this. And 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 let's all have less embarrassing experiences, man. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm so with you. So I think this is where I can let the uh, let the listeners know that there's a chance for them to win something. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. So. Uh, you know, this is a, such an important topic, Victoria. I'm so glad that we got to talk about this. Me um, too. I know this podcast is going to resonate with a lot of listeners, and hopefully, um, I hope it inspires a lot of listeners from not just from a retailer standpoint, but consumers, formulators, everybody who's got some sort of influence in the beauty industry. I really think this is um, a very important message. So, I think this platform is. Absolutely priceless in that sense. But what I really wanted to uh, extend out to the listeners um, is an opportunity to be color matched. So if you can DM your picture to at Saint Cosmetics, it will come directly to our Instagram account. And I'm talking about a picture without a filter. Uh, without a tan, your actual skin tone, um, we would love to gift a listener a foundation and a concealer. Um, and I think it, we would just love to uh, repay you even for having us part of this conversation, but as well as, you know, letting somebody have that experience of you can have makeup that's good for your skin, that's free of chemicals and toxins and we can, we can really keep pushing this conversation forward. Oh, that's so awesome. That's exciting. And I want to thank you, Raman, for coming on and talking and laughing with me about our embarrassing experiences. <laughs> and, um, yeah, let's move more forward. Let's push this conversation forward and, you know, and onward. Thank you, Victoria, and cheers to that. Couldn't okay. agree more. This podcast was produced by Amanda Florian in Chicago, Illinois. Thank you for tuning in and listening. The Anifer Green Beauty team is very excited to delve into interesting topics covering the vast world of green beauty. We look forward to bringing you more episodes soon. Please remember to subscribe to this podcast, visit our website, anifergreenbeauty.com, and our Instagram.